This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. A couple of times a year. Uh, We do this on different occasions, sometimes for Christmas, over Thanksgiving, uh, during the summer. And uh, today is our first family Sunday of the year. Uh, the, var- the various reasons as to why we do Family Sundays. Uh, the number one reason is because we want our kids to be with us in service, to uh, observe and to see how we do church and the normal life of a church. I don't want to take away anything that the Sea Kids Ministry does. They do an incredible job. They are usually having their own version of their service while we are having service on Sundays. They have worship. They have the word being taught to them. They have a little more, little more than we do. They have snacks, right? They have, uh, uh, I, I don't like that part, right? They have snacks and they have unlimited water that they can have and uh, bathroom breaks and a lot of us can't do that. But I'm just so glad that they're here with us. The second reason is the reason that we are, uh, we, 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 we're, we're doing this today is uh, because it's a, it's, it's a time for us to give all our servant leaders a break. Uh, the people that work so hard day in and day out, Sunday after Sunday, to bring us an experience and a time of, of refreshing. Uh, it's a time for them to relax, to retreat, and to receive the word along with everybody else. And the third reason as to why we do this day or this family Sunday, the reason for this particular Sunday is I want us as the church, the church, not commission church, the church, to understand our purpose and understand why Jesus instituted or he was the foundation, he's the head of the church, and he expects us to be the body. And what is the role of the body? Like I said earlier, if this is your first time in service, I truly apologize to you. I really do. Because when you came in and parked, you didn't have signs directing you to where service was. You didn't have flags out by the roads. Uh, You probably didn't have a smiling face by the door to welcome you in or hold the door open for you. One of the doors were probably locked and you were like, what's going on? What kind of church is this? You probably had to open the other door and walk in and you walked in and you were like, this is weird, there's nobody here. There's nobody to say hello to me. There's nobody to welcome me. There's nobody to tell me there's coffee. Oh, never mind. There was a sign out there that said there was no coffee either. We have hot piping coffee every Sunday and this Sunday we don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry because there were no greeters or you could not check your kids into service. I know that this is Sundays of the days that you are looking forward to just having two hours by yourself. I see some of y'all, you don't even want to check your kids out after service. You're like, I just need my quiet time. <laughs> like I said, we didn't have all the lights and the, the haze and the the servant leaders out there that put, uh, we went old school with the song sheets, amen, the, the mini version of the songbook. Somebody asked me on the way in, they were like, where's the, the transparency sheets? That's what we had back in the day growing up in church. I don't know if you remember those days, the overhead projector days. And I said, no, we're just going to do it with papers, amen? Uh, we'll recycle them. Don't worry, all you environmental conscious people, we will recycle those papers. But hey, <laughs> But people watching online, you probably didn't have the amazing angles of the various cameras cutting from one camera to the other every five seconds. You probably didn't have Mitchell with his amazing camera angles from the ground pointing up. I want you to look at what our usual Sunday service looks like, and this is the only video you will see today, so I want them to cue this video real quick.
Can we put our hands together and just give a big God bless you to all our servant leaders? If I tell you it takes 40 people every Sunday, at least 40 people every Sunday, to do what we do here and to make sure that your experience and your worship experience is amazing. The only thing I told the team that we didn't want to do is we didn't want to mess with worship because that's one thing we give to the Lord, amen? Uh, everything else that we make sure to make you comfortable is secondary to what we want to do to the Lord. So I thank God for the worship team that led us in a powerful time of worship. And if, like, like I said, if this is your first time, come back next week for an amazing experience. But there are a majority of people in this church who understands what discipleship means. There are a lot of people in this church, a lot of people that make sure that we serve Sunday after Sunday. They understand what it means to follow Jesus. They, mean, they understand what it means to say, I'm not just going to be another number in the pew. I'm not just going to come and just serve. I'm not just going to come and attend. I want to serve. Paul in 1 Corinthians, he's writing this letter to the church in Corinth. And this is where we're going to go with our scripture reading for today. It's going to be uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And I'll come to that in a second. But I kind of want to give you some context. Over the next 35 minutes, I kind of want to present this idea to you about discipleship and how discipleship is so important and central to the Christian life. He writes this letter, 1 Corinthians, the first letter to the Corinthians, he writes 10 years after first visiting Corinth. He's done two missionary journeys, he's planted a church. Ten years prior to him writing this, this particular book, this letter, he planted a church in this pork city of Corinth and, and, and people have responded to the gospel message. People have said yes to Jesus and because of which a church has been planted. The church has been going great and going strong and a decade later, Paul notices the consumer mentality of the culture that was infiltrating the church. Instead of the church influencing culture, culture was starting to influence the very fabric of the church. I just want to backtrack for a second and I want to remind you the most important thing in the Christian life. The most important part of Christian living is the free gift of salvation. The people in Corinth had experienced that. They had understood what salvation in Christ was about. They had said yes to Jesus and salvation is free, but they didn't understand that discipleship will cost them their life. I want to remind the church today in Plano that salvation might be the freest thing that you've ever possessed or that you will ever have, but discipleship, the act of following Jesus, not just saying yes to Jesus, but following Jesus will cost you your life. What happens after you say yes to Jesus will be the most expensive part of your life. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And Simon and his brother Andrew drop their nets and they follow Jesus. Here comes James and John doing the same. Jesus walks up to this man called Levi who happens to be a tax collector. A man that was hated by the Romans because he was a Jew. And, and then the Jews hated him because he worked for the Romans to extort, extort from the, 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 his own people. So his own people hated him. He had a lot on the table. He had sacrificed a lot to even pick up this profession that he, that he had. And Jesus was looking at him and saying, leave all that behind and follow me. It's, it was going to cost him everything, but that, yes, would completely change his life. Seven more disciples leave everything behind. They leave their father, they leave their mother, they leave their conveniences, the comforts, their businesses, their, and, 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 the, and Jesus' instruction is, pick up your cross. Pick up your cross. This is going to be the hardest thing you will ever do, but pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus is constantly inviting us into discipleship. Tim Keller is the one that says this. He says, discipleship is not an option. If anyone should come after me, he must follow me. Someone say, must follow me. This is our vision as a church. The vision of our church is that we will know Jesus and make Jesus known. That, that, that's all we do as a church. And I hope 
What we hold on to as the great commission will not become the great omission. I really want you to hear my, my, my heart on this. If you're a disciple, serving Jesus is the number one focus of your discipleship. Yes, reading a Bible is important and praying is important and, and being in fellowship is important and all of those things are what the New Testament church did. But also with that, these disciples left the comforts of their world and they said, we will serve. They just didn't sit at the feet of Jesus. They just didn't listen to Jesus' messages, but they were constantly, you know what they were doing when Jesus was feeding the 5,000? You know what they were doing when Jesus was preaching from the boat? They were serving along with Jesus. The church has a mandate. The church is tasked with serving, not just receiving. And I want us to get this drilled into our hearts because this will be life-changing for you. We're not a we're not a church, I'm, and I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. Can we have a family meeting tonight? Is that okay? Anybody been a part of an intervention before? Your family's called you in and said, all right, come on. Ashish, we need to talk. We're going to have a moment today. Can, can, can we have a moment today? We're not a church that says, man, come as you are. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to give your time. You don't have to do any outreaches. You don't have to serve. You just have to come. We just like you to be here. You know, experience, have, have, come. no, 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 that's not who we are. Like, like, like discipleship is pretty big here at our church. Rather than telling you, hey, please come, please come. Don't do anything. You just need to come. I'd rather tell you not to. I, I would rather give you reasons as to why you shouldn't attend this church, which happens to be a, the, a part of the bigger body of Christ. And, and please hear my heart. I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but we are not building numbers. We're trying to build a healthy church that looks like Jesus. Can I hear an Amen. I hope you're tracking today because that's what the Bible says. Greater love has no one than this, than someone who lays his down for his friends. Like, is our vision only for ourselves or is it outside of ourselves? We're going to study this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And I, I'm, I'm so tempted to read this entire passage, but for the sake of time, I'm going to just read it in portions. Is that okay? See, Paul is talking about the body. So in verse number 12, right, here's, the, here's what the Bible says. For just as the body is one and yet has many parts. Now, here's where you, usually we have these notes up there on the screen, y'all. We have some great graphics. We have the Bible app. Guess what? We don't have any of that today. All right, so you take that notes, you share it with somebody else. If you need me to pause and say, Pastor, can you say that again? Ah, we're going to old school. Amen? Is that okay? Mm. For just as the body is one and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form only one body, so it is with Christ. For by one Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into the body, spiritually transformed, united together, whether Jews or Greeks, in parenthesis, Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. I want to pause there real quick. Paul is talking about the body, which is the church. He is taking your body, he is drawing a parallel so you understand what he's talking about. And he's saying, just like your body has many parts, the church functions not just because the, the head of the church is Christ, but it needs a body to function. Someone say, I am the body. See, many have a personal relationship with Jesus, but no personal relationship with his church. Now, I, I, I want to be really clear. Spe I'm, and I'm speaking to you as a shepherd of this house. Is that okay? Like, I have loved the church all my life. I have loved the church all my life. I was taken to the church as soon as I was born. I was dedicated to the church. I grew up on what, what in India was the mats of the church, not even pews, not even chairs. We had mats and we grew up on the mats of the church. I was taught stories in Sunday school in church. I, I, I trusted in Jesus in the church. I believed in the gospel in the church. I was baptized in the church. I was filled in the Holy Spirit in the church. I learned the songs of the redeemed in the church. I made the best of friends in church. I lost some of those friends in church. People hurt me in church. People made me feel better in church. 
I grew up in ministry in church. I met my wife in church. We're raising our kids in church. You catch my drift? Like this is so important. I'm teaching you how to love the church because it's important to love God and love the church. Jesus says that if you love me and don't love my people, you don't love me at all. Like this is critical. Like do we understand the importance of one another? So I'm going to give you three points and then we're going to close from this passage. One is understanding that in the, the, a very critical part of discipleship is understanding that I am the church. Someone say, I am the church. Point number one, very simply put, I am the church. In order to love the church, you have to love yourself. 1 Corinthians 12 and 12, it says this, For just as the body is one and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form only one body, so, it with, so is it with Christ. Someone say, body is one. Paul is saying, man, we're supernaturally connected. Like Corinth was this melting pot. I want you to listen closely. There were Jews, there were Gentiles, there was the poor, there was the rich. But all these distinctions that were supposed to create dividing lines, they were plenty. And for the first 10 years, Paul was like, man, you guys were doing a great job at putting all your differences aside. But he's looking at this change in culture that is happening. And he's looking at political differences. He's looking at religious differences, cultural differences, socioeconomic differences. There were class differences. That's very much similar to what we have in America today. Everybody wants church, but they want it tailor-made to their own preferences. They want it to be the way they want to see it. They want to just be with the people that they feel comfortable with. Anybody, God, God forbid, if there's somebody that doesn't look like them, doesn't speak like them, not in the same spiritual level as them, doesn't dress like them, doesn't smell like them, doesn't even remotely have the money as they do, well, you don't belong. And Paul, my friend, is debunking that today. And he is saying, no, 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 no. That's not what we are doing. He says the body is made of different parts. The heart doesn't look like the kidneys. The kidney doesn't look like the ear. The ear doesn't look like the eye. Can I preach? So, thank you, thank you. Kids are saying amen. It doesn't matter how different we are. He says by one Holy Spirit, verse 13, we were all baptized into one body, spiritually transformed, united together, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit, which means there's one Holy Spirit that is in all of us. Ah, right. oh, come on, somebody. Look around, look around this room. There's young and there's old. There are kids and there are adults. There's rich and there's poor. There's highly educated. There's little education. There's Democrats and there's Republicans. There's black, there's brown, and there is white. White. There's Philadelphia Eagle fans and Christians. I'm sorry. I'm... Stop, stop it, guys. Lord, forgive me. Sorry, Vicky. Sorry. So. But you know, it says we are all one though. It doesn't matter. The reason we can all sit together in this room without prejudice, without hate, and come together is because we serve a God who is above gender, who is above differences, who is above race, who is above preferences. And he says, I am God. And there's only one thing that defines God. I am holy. Oof. But we're still one. Why? Because the things that naturally divide us and make us selfish now make us supernaturally connected because of the Holy Spirit. If we get this one thing, that we are united, that we are bound, that we have this duty to one another, to serve one another, despite of socioeconomic, despite of color, despite of creed, despite of culture. There is this thing called the Holy Spirit that weaves itself into the fabric and the DNA of who we are that says it's not you by your identity, but the Christ inside of you. 
Paul is addressing a consumeristic society. Let's go. The other day I was in a parking lot and I was going, I don't know what store it was, I was walking, walking through the parking lot and I saw this big bumper sticker on this car and it said, I attend Mount Zion Baptist Church. And, and I looked at it and I was like, whoa, I have an issue with that. Not because they attend church, don't get me wrong. Not because they attend Mount Zion Baptist Church. Not because they put a bumper sticker on their car. Not because they were parked really bad and taken up two parts. That, that's besides the point. That's not why I was mad. Do you know why I was mad? Because of one word in that phrase, attend. Attend. See, a lot of us in church, we have this movie theater understanding of Christianity where, you know, these movie theaters are reverse engineered to make you feel comfortable. Like, do you, do you know that these movies, like, Sonny and I watched a movie after, like, three years the other day. We went, we went and watched a movie. Somebody was watching our kids, and we're like, let's go watch a movie. And these theaters have got fancy. Like, everybody has their own space. Like, gone are the days where you were like this. If you were like me, like, you needed to be crammed in, and you were suffocating, and it smelled so bad. Now they have recliners, Amy. Yeah, you were there yesterday, right? Yeah, like, like they heat up. She said it heats up. Come on. It heats. They bring food to you. Oh, man. Oh, this is good. They recline. They bring food to you. They have a tray. And the cup holders become bigger and bigger by the passing day. Like, have you observed that? They're not small anymore. Now, see, because we are spiritually transformed and united together. Like there's this, there's this understanding that the world wants us to have that wherever we go, it could be Chick-fil-A or McDonald's. We don't like McDonald's because they don't treat us like Chick-fil-A. We don't like this because they're not like that. We have this consumeristic mentality and oftentimes this creeps up into the church and we expect the church to be a place where it serves us it serves our needs, it serves our desires, and it serves our wants. Y'all, this is, I need us to understand because we are spiritually transformed and united together, we have then a role to play. Because I am the church, because I am the body, I have a role. Someone say, I have a role to play. So verse 15, 16, and 17. You still tracking? Everybody still tracking? We're good? Okay, 15. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. It's not on contrary, still a part of the body. If the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body. Is it not, is it not on the contrary, still a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were a ear, an ear where would the sense of smell be? Like God has, and I don't need to break this down. Everybody knows that every part of your body has a different function. Everybody. And, and this passage begins in 2 Corinthians, where 1 Corinthians, where Paul is talking about the different gifts. I preached about this before, and I'll preach about it again in the future. But every part of the body has a role to play. Like, how do we break this consumeristic mentality in the church? Can I talk for a little bit? Y'all ready for this? I'm going to make a statement. You and I in the church, we are not consumers, we are contributors. We are not consumers, we are contributors. What do I mean by this? Everyone needs a church family. Everyone needs a church family. The consumerist society that we live in encourages people to shop for churches. Hey, if you don't like this, just, just go check the other one and the other one and the other one. You'll just feel the tingles when you get to the church that you, God wants you to be at. Do you have some checkboxes? Is the pastor funny? Is he too funny? Is he not that funny? Maybe that pastor was better. Is the worship lit? Yeah. Like how far did I have to park and walk? Were there buggies to pick me? Like how long is service? Is it like an hour and 10 minutes? If it's an hour and 12, I think the other church was better because I got a game to watch. I got a reservation. 
Is the time convenient for me? 10 o'clock? I don't know. But I wanna wanna encourage somebody today, and there are two groups of people that need to hear this. Psalm chapter 68, verse six says this. He puts the solitary, the one that is alone, and the one that doesn't have a family, and the one that doesn't belong, the Bible says he puts the solitary into families. And guess what we were without Christ? The Bible says we were orphans. We were orphans. We were lost. Come on, this. And God in his infinite mercy invited us in the moment we said yes to Jesus. We became a part of the body of Christ. Someone say family. We became, like if you're a Christ follower, you have to be committed to a family. I need some of us to understand this. Like, how do I know I'm a part of a family? Some of y'all ask me, how do I know I'm part of this family? You know, see, this is the thing in my house. In my house, when a guest comes over, we don't expect them to wash the dishes after the meal. We don't. They are not required to contribute or serve. I hope you're tracking. You're a part of a family if you're contributing and you're serving. If you're not contributing and serving, you have not reached the spiritual maturity where you have stopped thinking about yourself. I'm stepping on some toes this morning. But like I said, if you were looking for a church that says, today's gonna be a good day. You are a victor. You are more than, that's scriptural, that's good. But here I have a job and I have a duty to equip Christians to go and make disciples of the nations. Can you give me that permission this morning? Find a community where you could say, these are my people. This is my house. This, is, this vision is my vision. This is my job. This is my burden. This is, I'm a part of this mission. Like, that's what we're trying to talk about. Like, I am the church. I have a role. I have a purpose. This is the third thing I want to talk about. I have a purpose. Now, verse 18, but now... As things really are, God has placed and arranged the parts in the body. Now listen to this. God has placed, someone say, God has placed me. And not only has he placed you, but he has arranged you. He has arranged the parts in the body, each one of them, just as he willed and just as he saw with the best balance of function. Ooh, this is good. Verse 19, if they all were a single organ, where would the rest of the body be? Y'all, we we need to understand this. We have to understand this. We have a lot of medical professionals here. They will tell you the perils. If the heart was in a different place in the body, if the brain was in a different place in the body, they will tell you what could happen to the human body. Everybody has a place. Everybody has a role. Everybody has a duty. That's what makes us who we are. My second point, my first point was we are the body. I am the body. That's the first point. The second point, I am the church, I am the body. The second point is we were created to serve. We were created to serve. In Ephesians chapter number two and verse 10, the Bible says this, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Someone say good works. Good works works is a byproduct of salvation. When you were saved and when you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to doing good. Some people are created to serve. Some people are naturally serving leaders. Some other people have to come into the understanding that God has created you to serve other people. Like you know there's always something for you to do because there's something always undone. It could be here in this church. It could be the bigger vision of the church. It could be the bigger global mission of the church. There is some country that is unreached. There is some section or people group that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is some state, there is some city that does not have a life-giving church. And unless and until every city and every tongue and every year hears the gospel of Jesus Christ, the work is not done. I really want to encourage us today. Like, this concept is is not popular anymore. Like, servanthood is not popular anymore. Like, we have leadership conferences. Everybody heard of leadership conferences? But anybody hear of a servanthood conference? Nope. 
There is not one conference that says, these are for servants. Guess why? Why? Nobody will show up. Nobody will pay $100 to attend. Why would, I, why, why would I want to go to a conference that teaches me to be a servant? Are you serious? Why? Why would I want to do that? I'll pay because someone's going to tell me how I can become a leader. Discover your potential. Discover your God-given leadership potential inside of you. But be a servant? No, I'm not going to do that. Servanthood is unpopular with children. Like, kids don't want to serve naturally. You have to tell them, like, wave candy before them and say, you're going to get this if you do that. My kids wanted to wash dishes and clean and all of that yesterday, but it was because I promised that they will get something. It was a reward. My kids never wake up in the morning and says, Dad, how can I serve you? <laughs> Anybody have kids like that? Please, tell me, like, I would love to send my kids to you. Like, they could take an internship. I will pay you to train them to be. That's not how kids are. Like, my mama, growing up, my mama did not have a Samsung dishwasher. She had two. Their names were Oshish and Blessy. That, we were her dishwashers. Oh, we would get beat. Now the kids are too cute to wash dishes. Oh, no, we don't want to put them to work. We're not taught to be servants anymore. Like the word submission is equated to a curse word. Like, can we talk about this for a second? Like, you doubt me? If you don't believe me, get on Twitter and say something about submission and watch people beat you up black and blue. There's this disdain for caregivers. No one wants to give care. They just want to receive it. That's why I applaud people like Beverly and applaud people like Yesodas who bring their parents in and care for their parents and show them love because that is kind of a lost thing in our culture. I'm sorry, I'm just stepping on so many toes today. Some of you are like, more than amens, I want to hear more ouches today. Is that okay? Because everybody wants to be the helm. Everybody wants to be the heart. Everybody wants to be the thing that's beating. Everybody wants to be the main organ. Everybody wants to be the head and, and they're thirsty for power. They want to make moves. We have movers and shakers, but no one is submitting because submission isn't popular anymore. But when I begin to understand the kingdom mandate that I was created to serve, it changes everything. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15, the Bible says, But God in His grace chose me even before I was born and called me to serve Him. In Philippians 2 and verse 4, Paul is exhorting the church and saying, Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. That's why I appreciated this church. When we came together, 21 days, people jumped on online and prayed for people, not for themselves. They weren't there to stand in the gap and pray for their own needs. People showed up here Friday after Friday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, and they interceded for one another because we are called to serve others. That's a part of discipleship, church. When you go through growth track to become a partner here at Commission Church, there's something that we say, every partner... Every partner is a minister here at Commission Church because there's a mandate of ministry on us. But here's the problem. Some people, man, it's, it's just not in their DNA. Some people just want to serve when they're, no, they're noticed. They just want to serve when they're asked. Here's a real test of servitude. The real test is would you do it when no one's looking? But some people can't serve because they're afraid to be vulnerable. Can I talk about this for a second? We'll go to point three in just a second, but I just want to park at point two for a little bit and talk about this. Some people can't serve because they are afraid of being vulnerable. Do you know what a lot of people like to say? A lot of people like to say this. They say, yeah, man, I'm done with church. There's just a bunch of hypocrites. There's just a bunch of hypocrites. Or they'll say, I'll come to church, but I'm never getting involved ever again. Nah, I'm not going to be a part of a life group ever again. 
Okay, but, but here's the thing. That's, that's not as it's smart. It's not as smart as it, you think it sounds. Right. I, I, I really want us to pause. Like, that would be like me saying, man, I, I, I went to the gym the other day, Eric. Hey, you won't believe it. Like, I saw some people there. Like, the audacity. They were out of shape. Like, can you believe it? Like, I'm not going to the gym anymore. Like, who do they think they are? I mean, like, that place is all about fitness. And yet people come there jiggling stuff out there, and I'm like, how dare they? Those hypocrites. Or that's why that place exists. Yeah? It exists for people like me. Maybe that's why the church exists, not to, be, not to enable hypocrites, but to help them change. I, I have been to the gym, and there are some people that are super fit, and there are other people that are on the other extreme, and, and this is kind of like church. Some have been walking a long time with the Lord, and others are just rolling in, and, and, and who is it for? It's for both. Uh, come But that comes with spiritual maturity. It comes with spiritual maturity. And you know what spiritual maturity is? Not sitting back and saying, I'm holier than thou. But you know the people that I love at gyms? The coaches and the spotters. You know who spotters are? They're the ones that go behind you when you lift those weights. Not that I know or I experienced it, but I've seen them. Like, like they'll ask them, okay, can you spot me in case I fall, in case I stumble, in case this thing, like, like in case this is too heavy for me. Like you seem stronger than me. You would never ask a weaker person to spot you. Like come stand behind me. So just Or these workout buddies that you go with that push you and say, you got one more rep in you. Come on, you got one more. Keep going, keep pushing. And you might hurt after it, but, but I love those people that come to the gym and say, man, I may have a year over this guy or I have a year over this girl. I'm not gonna look down on them. I'm not gonna mock them. I'm not gonna make them feel inferior. But with everything I can, can I serve them? The church will be the body of Christ if one organ says I'm going to work with the other organ I'm going to if the bones all look to each other and said we're going to work together because we are the say I am the body church I love the fathers that stand behind their sons and say go let's go you got this a lot of people don't serve because you've been used you've been misused you've been abused You've allowed the behavior of the recipient to change who you are as a person. But I want to let you know that serving isn't a sign of weakness. Vulnerability and serving go hand in hand. Your ability to serve comes out of your brokenness. You will be able to serve the broken because you know your own condition and you know your own heart. Jesus was the most vulnerable. The last few moments on his earth, he gets up from the table that he was sitting at enjoying a meal with his disciples. He takes a towel as it was tradition, wraps it around his waist, stoops down, and he washes the feet of his disciples. If the Lord can serve, how much more do I need to serve? Yet, you won't give up your seat. Yet, you will refuse to give up your own seat. But here's the thing. I, I, I want us to understand this. You have to leave your seat in order to serve. Jesus got up. He got up. That's the nature of God. I want you to hear this. He left his kingly palatial precincts. The king of kings became man the lion became a lamb you don't get this my my talk, like this 
This has to come through. Like he humbled himself is what the Bible says. Why? Because he wanted to serve your heart and my heart because unless and until he could be vulnerable and he could become man and lower himself, he knew that he couldn't get to you and to me. Someone hurt you so bad that you don't want to serve anymore. I can't serve that person. That person, no, if that person's on that team, I don't want to serve that person or serve with that person. And you wonder why you're so alone. Why am I not finding community, pastor? Why do I not find friends in this church? Because God sees your solitude and puts you in a family, but your ability not to become a part of that family because of your heart of yesterday can deter you from fulfilling the purpose that God has in your life. People that serve, the best preacher is the one who isn't preaching. The best worship leader is the one that is not leading worship. Because if you can only worship when you get the mic or the drumsticks, if you only love the word when you got the mic in your hand, you don't love the word. Don't serve because you have to check off a box. Serving comes from the heart because I want to, because I have a burden, because I know that there is lost people, because I know because of what I do, somebody will come to Jesus. Somebody will go closer to Jesus. Come, I, I need us to understand this. When you serve God, nothing's big or small. It could be to make coffee in the back room. The reason we don't have coffee out there is because there was nobody out there to make coffee. It takes people to walk into this room at seven in the morning and switch on the lights. It takes effort to pay for people to stand by the door in the freezing cold and open the door so you can walk in on rainy days. It takes effort for people to hold an umbrella, come out into the parking lot and to accompany you back inside. It takes effort. It takes effort to stand behind that computer and sit behind that computer, not because they know what they're doing, but people put in hours and hours and hours. Why? Because they want one person to be able to meet Jesus on a Sunday morning. One person to say yes to Jesus on a Sunday morning. We don't need all this. We don't need the lights. We don't need the haze. We don't need the environment. We don't need all of this. We can do lyrics. We could do paper. We could, we could make all the environmentalists mad every Sunday. But we choose to do what we do because it is a tool for us to get the kingdom of God to the person that needs to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. You can't fake it, y'all. You can't fake spirituality. Like, like, you can fake spirituality, but you can't fake serving God. You either serve or you don't. Young people, I love the fact, can I talk about this for a second? Like, our church has a bunch of young people that serve God. I thank God for that. Don't tell me that young people are leaving the church. Ours is a different story altogether. The young people are coming to the church. Why? Because they see community and they love Jesus with all they got. I see young people on fire for Jesus, but, but here's what I want to tell people. Man, if you're single, I encourage you, do not go out with anyone that doesn't serve in their local church. I'm going to say that again. If you are getting serious in your dating relationship with somebody, and if you're a Christian, if you serve in church, make sure they serve in their church too, or they serve in this church too. Why? Because if they don't serve the house of God, they won't serve you. <sighs> Point three, I'm ending with this. The third thing is this, the body of Christ needs you. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But quite the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be the weaker are necessary. Like, can I tell somebody? We need you. I need you to be the church. It's not a plea of desperation. It's a plea of discipleship. It's a plea of obedience. I need you to obey what Christ says when he says, I need you to serve me and follow me. 
The church is not an organization, it's an organism. That's what Paul is trying to tell us. You are needed because the world needs Jesus. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, the Bible says this, your attitude must be like my own. For I, the Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And he wants you to do the same thing. He needs you to do the same thing. It's a command. He says, I came to serve, not to be served. Serving is not a request, it's an order, it's a command. Someone say, command. He showed up ready to serve. Pastor, I got a lot going on, Pastor. You don't know my family. You don't know how it is on Sunday mornings, Pastor. Oh, I do. I have three kids. All little ones. All rambunctious. They all have a mind of their own. But I respect and honor every single family here that puts discipleship over your circumstances and your preferences. When I look around this room, I look at men and women, fathers and mothers. I look at, I look, I look at Ronnie that, that wakes up in the morning and says, I have three kids, but even though Lisa is sick at home with the kids, discipleship is important for my two boys, so I'm going to make sure that if they are okay, I'm going to bring them to church. That's what discipleship looks like. And, and while he does that, he's standing up there serving. I can't talk about every single person over here, but I understand your family situation. I understand your past hurt. I understand how far you're driving. I know people that drive an hour and a half to get to church to serve. I understand how far you live and I understand how much you have going on, but try to tell that to Jesus on a blood-stained cross. His beard that was ripped out in chunks and we can't give him two hours? Oh, Pastor, you're all up in my grill. I'm uncomfortable right now. I'm sorry. It's called discipleship. I'm sorry that Jesus said, he said, if you want to follow me, pick up the cross. And he didn't promise you a bed of roses. A lot of people in this church that have sacrificed a lot, blood, sweat, tears, money for the cause of Christ. Their families in this church because they said yes to Jesus. Their own parents forsook them. They said, you cannot be welcome back into our own home anymore. Wow. That's the cost of discipleship. It wasn't supposed to be comfortable. We're not spiritual junkies. We're trying to build Christ's disciples. Amen. Like serving has everything to do with sacrifice and nothing to do with convenience. Absolutely nothing to do with convenience. In John chapter 12 and verse 26, the Bible says, whoever serves me must follow me. Worship team, you guys can get ready to come up. Then my servant will be with me everywhere I am. My father will honor anyone who serves me. Can I talk to somebody today? Like, serving is not about titles or positions. You know, something beautiful I was reading the other day, I was doing the New Testament in 21 days the other day, and I came to James, and I came to Jude. Both of these are brothers of Jesus. And they don't start their epistles by saying, I, James, the brother of Jesus. Jude doesn't say, if you don't know me, let me introduce myself, I am the brother of Jesus. They say, I, James, I, Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Like, get that. Like, like, wrap your head around that. For every follower that understands the, the price that was paid on the cross of Calvary, even his own brothers looked at that sacrifice and said, this is no normal human being that played baseball with us out in the fields and, and, and did his own thing and maybe healed a couple of people. He's no normal prophet. This is the son of God. And man, we are nothing but servants. We serve at the pleasure of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But you may not get plaudits, you may not get an applause, you may not be on stage, you may not be preaching, 
But what the Bible tells me is this, that one day I will be rewarded for my service in eternity. Oh, what about today? This is such a thankless job, pastor. And, and can I be honest with you? If, if you have served God in any capacity and there's not one person that has come up to you and said thank you to you, I don't know where, like we do a great job about that here at church, we appreciate you, but in any experience in the past, you have never been appreciated. I want to take this moment and say thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for what you did, but do not allow the hurt of the past to come in the way. Would you stand up to your feet with me? You know, the New Testament, it talks about this woman called Tabitha. Dorcas. I don't like that name, Dorcas, so I just use Tabitha for various reasons. But Tabitha is this businesswoman who makes fine linen in the Bible. She comes to know Jesus, and there's this church that springs up in the city called Joppa. And they looked at her and say, hey, can we use your house to have our services? And she's like, yup, sign me in. This woman goes and she gives her fabrics away to serve those in need. She didn't need to preach. She didn't need to sing. She, she just used her giftings and her talents. The, book, the Bible in Acts chapter 9 says she was always known for doing good and serving others. Always known. Like I often wonder, what would my eulogy say? Would I just want to be known as a good person? Like, what would I want to be known for doing always? Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, what do you do always that makes you stand apart? Dorcas just always served. Tabitha just gave our heart and said, I will serve. We have our own Tabitha stories here in church. I always think about this young woman in our church, and I don't know if she's somewhere around her here. Samantha's right there. Samantha's a gifted worship leader. When she first started attending our church, I was like, man, we got another singer on our worship team. Samantha came up to me and said, Pastor, I think we have a lot of people up there on stage, and I just want to serve in any capacity, anything I can do to just serve the body of Christ. And we said, hey, we have, some, we have this need in, in, in kids care. Like, we need people to teach our kids. And she's like, Pastor, sign me up. We have young girls like Karen and Michelle and Christy who have no idea how a camera works or how a switcher or any of that technical stuff work, but they came here hours and hours and hours and looked at this stuff and they trained and they trained and they trained till they said, we're doing this for Jesus. I have a pastor that came here to this, uh, it was a year ago, he came here and he looked at one of his ex-church members serving in the lobby. And he looked at me and said, I'm not gonna say the name, but he looked at me and said, Pastor, I don't know what you guys did as a church, but I've been his pastor and I've seen him for many years and he's never served the church. This is his first time serving in the church. That's a Tabitha story. We have a young 16-year-old called Levi who loves to make coffee in the back room. We have two young boys, Jake and, and Luke, who five years ago, when we first started this church, we were in elementary school Every Sunday morning at 7, they would show up to put up a projector, a screen that was portable. We had to tear it down, put it back up, but they did it with so much joy. We have guys like Bidu and Jason who are our sound engineers in this church who shows up time and time again, who goes above and beyond the other day Somebody said, man, why can't we just buy all these cables? And they were sitting there soldering cables together because they value the money of God. So they want to be good disciples and good stewards of God's money. So they take hours soldering cables and connections together rather than going to the store and buying a cable for double or triple the price.
If nothing, we have a Tabitha and Amy who just sits here and encourages the preacher when he preaches. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like a bunch of y'all that just sit there and say, preach, pastor, preach. We want to encourage you. Before David became a king, he walks up to feed his brothers. Like, are you taking up the job that no one wants? Maybe God will give you the job that everyone wants. You were not created to sit and soak. You were created to serve. I want to encourage somebody today. Like, we need help. Like, Pastor, I don't have any gifts. I don't have any talents. Guess what? We're going to two services. We are busting at the seams here. We're going to two services very, very soon. And we need more people that can just step up and say, whatever, I'm willing to learn. I can do anything because this is for God. For more souls to come in and meet Jesus. We need people that can just say, Pastor, I cannot do anything, but I'd be willing to just hold babies. We have seven babies that were born last year that need people to just hold them here in a few months. And we need people in the nursery that can say, I'm just here to hold babies. If you have the ability to hold your breath for 20 seconds, we need you in the nursery because you might need that while changing diapers. That's all the requirements, nothing else. Like, do you catch my drift? Like, we all want to spend eternity with God, but we can't give him 1.5 hours in a week just to serve. Anyone been to a store and uh, Walmart and they have peak, it's peak time and you're like in the grocery line wanting to check out and the line is like out of the way. And there are people on their phones, employees with vests on their phones and there's one cashier. Anybody been there? Or they ask you to go to the checkout line and you're checking out your asparagus and the machine goes, beep, beep, employee assistance needed. And you're like, this is asparagus, why do you need my ID? But you have that influx, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And if that does not happen, if that emergency call is not made, there are many people that will walk in and they will make, do you know that a majority of people that attend churches will make a decision in the parking lot if they want to come back? Do you know the number of people? And I'm not making the stat of the number of people that have pulled up in their cars to the parking lot and they don't get out of their cars because of the anxiety that's in their hearts. I am, please trust me when I, ask Lisa Nava, she'll tell you. When she was Guest Connections Director, the number of people that came this next Sunday and said, I was here last Sunday, but I sat in the parking lot. And one of them might be you sitting over here. You sat in the parking lot and they were like, we just came here and we just couldn't get our minds because they've probably been hurt by church before. They've probably de-churched they've never been to a church and they're looking for hope, but they don't know what to expect. But if we have somebody in the, in, the, in the parking lot that can meet them and smile at them and tell them there's nothing too small, there's nothing too big. We're all in this for Jesus. I'm done. But the reason why we did today, because as you guys walk out into the lobby, there are some of our, our leaders from our different departments that are going to be out there. We don't need help in every area, but if you want to serve, I'll tell you that there are multiple areas that we need people to help out in. If you go out there, you will, you will get to talk to them. You'd be like, hey, here I am. Please, please, here we are. Like, like sign me up. Put me in, coach. We're ready to go. They'll give you more information. They'll give you more stuff that you can consider, that you can pray about. But I want you to take a step. Be a part of your family. Be a part of a family. And this family is the family that God is calling you to. Get connected. Get plugged in. Get to know other people. Start serving. Some of the best friendships people have made in this church are because they started serving on a team with somebody. I want to pray for you. Every eye closed. Thank you for being patient and listening to me. It's such an important message. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. You may be 12. We would love for you to serve. You may be 65, we'll give Miss Loreen a pass. Everybody else, we need you to be on your feet and saying, anything I can do to serve the Lord.
Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.